Hi, this is Chris. And this is John. And you're listening to the Nerdy Dad Cast. the last time the two of us were together was it 2019 i think it might have been 1919 i I don't know like i've been saying all along time is weird time is weird you know we talked about this so i think it was on the last episode which you know we had said hey we think we figured out a system to record more frequently and then you know life throws a a curveball um I went uh, away for a week. You went away for a week. We said, hey, let's record on uh, an upcoming weekend. I'm like, yeah, totally. Heaven forbid I actually think to like note it um, or even tell my wife so that she would even ask the question like, hey, weren't you guys going to record a podcast? So, uh, yeah, you know, maybe when the pandemic, uh, you know, ends in about uh, 10 or 15 years and some relative normalcy is reintroduced to our lives, we might uh, figure out this whole uh, recording on a recurring basis thing. Until then, we can just keep promising you over and over that we're going to get it, and then we probably fail in that promise, because that seems to be our pattern so far. But this time, next time for sure, I mean, you know, fall, weather gets worse, we'll be inside, and we'll be, yeah, distracted, I'm sure. Yeah. When, you know, is there going to be a Dora the Explorer uh, spinoff where they have a character that uh, you show to promises, no promises to? (laughs) Yeah. Dora the Explorer who really just explores her apartment because she's not allowed to go outside. (laughs) Hey, I had a wicked cool weekend going from the den to, to the, uh, the living room. So that was fun. (laughs) But uh, no, uh, we are at least the two of us back together to talk a little bit about our kids as we, are apt to do from time to time. Specifically, I was actually going to kick this episode off talking a little bit about uh, something I've learned over the course of the last uh, week or so uh, about uh, baby force. Now, some backstory here. When it came to different parts of the body, I mean, we started with the basics, you know, the we went with the song, uh, head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, and, you know, arms, fingers, all that stuff. And, you know, that seemed pretty reasonable. And the one that we started to sort of advance to eventually was her bottom. We called it her bum bum. That's sort of what we called it, you know, went with it. And uh, functionally, what she referred to her bottom as was bum bum. We weren't, to be honest, quite concerned about this. Um, the, my wife and I had chatted and, uh, you know, we felt this works, you know, it's, she understands the concepts there, and uh, we were good with that. Now, fast forward to sort of more recent times, you know, she had become aware of, of different sort of uh, anatomical differences between mommy and daddy. So, uh, you know, she noticed that uh, mommy's chest looked a little bit different uh, than daddy's. And uh, how this uh, came out was, uh, I guess, at some point in time, she must have asked her mother about her chest and her mother said, Oh, you know, these are boobies using this, you know, uh, term that uh, is, is commonly used. And, uh, how I learned that this, uh, term had been introduced to baby force is when she pointed out that mine are smaller, which is true. <laughs> they are, you know, happens. What was the term you used? Boobies. Boobies. Okay. Yes. And, uh, 
again, you know, baby force just for her, she's like, Oh, you know, I have them. You have them. Mommy has them and more. Yes. Everyone has them. They come in different shapes, sizes. And we figured at some point in time, we, you know, we might approach the, the more technical aspects of this. But again, in our mind, we're thinking like you were, we're, we're acknowledging that she's learning more about body differences and we didn't want her to, to sort of, you know, feel that they're anything special, if that makes any sense. Like we wanted her to, to accept them as they are. Um, anyhow, fast forward to just a few days ago. So we, before we hit record, we talked about how I'm on uh, daddy daycare week, which I know, uh, is, uh, your, one of your full-time jobs, one of your many full-time jobs. And it's not called daycare. It's just called daddy. That term's really horrible. Just for the record. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I eventually will, I'm sure evolve away from it. Um, but, uh, the, the concept is though, one that she, even baby force talks about, um, she told me that she's really enjoying daddy daycare more than daycare. Uh, so that actually kind of brought a tear to my eye and warmed my heart a little bit. Uh, and so if it was something that I could functionally make happen, um, maybe in the future I can, but, uh, back on, back on point, uh, I had to go shower and, uh, I asked, uh, Bay Forest to come into the washroom with me just so I could keep an eye on her, not to suggest that I think she would get into too much trouble, but I am told that three-year-olds can get up to real crazy things, real crazy quick and, uh, didn't have any issue with it. Neither did she. She enjoyed, uh, explaining to me that uh, our cat uh, goes after hair ties and that she uses the the potty seat uh, uh, because she doesn't want to fall in the big potty seat. And, and we're having a great conversation. I get out of the shower. I, I go to dry off and she starts pointing out to me that, oh, you have a jiggly bum bum. I'm like, oh, I do. And she's like, yeah, I have a line bum bum. You have a jiggly bum bum. It was at that moment that it occurred to me, she was not talking about, uh, our bottom. She was actually talking about the other, uh, side. And it occurred to me that at that moment in time, she's now completely aware of daddy being different than her and mommy. And in the moment I'm like, you're right. Daddy's different. And then I had a conversation with my wife saying, you know, we're probably going to have to have maybe a more technical conversation with, with baby force. Uh, cause again, we want her to understand, uh, what the different parts of her body are appropriately, but we also don't want there to be any stigma about them that they are, are obviously hers and that only she, uh, determines who, uh, can see, can access. But at the same time, we also want her to be comfortable within her herself. Right. And so we're, we're in this sort of, period where now the conversation we've probably been sweeping under the carpet for as long as we have is, is coming to the forefront. So I thought, you know, why not ask John, someone who's been there, done that a couple of times so I can get his sage advice. Yeah. So, I mean, every house is different, of course, and comfort levels and stuff like that. Um, we're very open in the house and, you know, don't necessarily have clothing all the time and it's, bodies are casual. It's not really a big deal. 
Um, one thing, I mean, we've always used the real words, never mm -hmm. used code, never used, because I mean, that can, A, it can lead to problems. I mean, if Baby Force is ever in a situation where, you know, there's someone out there that that is a bad person or a bad, you know, if she needs protection and she uses the wrong terms and whoever she's asking doesn't catch on to what she means, that could, mm -hmm. uh, I read a story about that recently where, I don't know what the term was, but uh, a girl was at her daycare and she used a term that was like, you know, my flower. And the daycare teacher didn't understand that, you know, that was a ter used term that her and her parents used for for her vulva. So she, they'd say her flower instead. And mm -hmm. uh, so that kind of, it wasn't until later they realized that was a big problem. So, I mean, for me, that's sort of a, a red light on the, on the sort of, you know, silly terms. And so we've just never used them. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really just what I always say in, in our case and just in general, we're just very honest and open. We tell things that are like age, definitely age appropriate. We don't want to go into too deep details on anything, but yeah, the kids are very, kids are always noticing. Kids are always watching you, especially their parents. They're always watching and they see everything. So, I mean, mm -hmm. if there's differences between you, you're, they're curious about that and they're learning. So they're going to ask. And that's basically what we've done is when they ask and when the question comes up, you just answer it and that's it. And don't expand on it. Like, you don't say, you know, this is my, this, and this does this, and this is how it works. You just say, no, this is my, this. And then if they, if they ask more, then you say, okay, well, yeah. And you, at that point you can sort of say, okay, well, they're not going to ask questions that you like, it's very unlikely they're going to ask questions about, you know, I saw this on the internet or something, especially at mm -hmm. age three or five or eight. I mean, my, my kids are five and eight, that things like that aren't going to come across to them, but the simple questions, you just answer them as they get it and they go, Oh, okay. And they move on. And yeah. And then the same thing, just the normalization of bodies and saying, you know, it doesn't, yes, my body's different from your body or, and, and your mama's body and whoever else's body and everybody has their body and everybody's bodies are different. And Everybody, you know, that's the one thing we try to sort of steer them away from is commenting because, you know, you can be out in public back in the times when we did that sort of thing and see people around and be like, oh, well, that person has a really big and it, that, those situations can be embarrassing because mm -hmm. you hear some some stranger suddenly hears your three year old say, hey, look at that guy's or look, look how big that thing is or whatever the case may be. So yeah. that we've sort of taught taught our kids not to mention not to comment on other people's bodies which i think is a safe thing overall just in life i think a lot of adults should be taught that as well but uh yeah just keep keep it straight keep it honest and answer the questions and move on that's sort of how we've done it well it, it's sort of on that that last point that you mentioned there have been times where we're baby four so we'll straight up matter of fact i can see that person's bum bum and that might be because the person is, you know, bending over, pants are coming down a little bit. Uh, there was a, a more recent case uh, where a woman had um, tights on that were arguably translucent in the, the sunshine. And the difficulty that I've had is she's not saying again, it's the innocence of a three-year-old here. She is simply yeah. pointing out what it is that she sees, which quite frankly, in my mind there, that's what I, I sort of want to normalize that to the extent that it's not, wow, that it's not, Oh my goodness, this is what I saw. But then I also want her to, you know, learn that 
the comments aren't necessary or that, you know, you respectfully don't need to point that out to others. And that's the, I think that's the space that I'm sort of in, in that regard is trying to have that normalcy. So it's not an issue. So that it's not something that I don't know. I'm trying, I'm at a loss of words to describe it, but you know, that the sense that uh, it's taboo. Yeah. And you don't want to get into the taboo at all. Like telling her anything is taboo. I mean, you want her to be able to come to you and make those comments and, and notice those things. Um, so for us, I mean, it's just been largely saying, yeah, everybody has bodies, everybody's bodies are different and just emphasizing that. And over time, once they've really got the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, everybody's, everybody has different shapes and different this, and, you know, it also, it becomes a thing also, not just like physical things, but when like, say you see somebody in a wheelchair or something like, something like that, so, you know, everybody's in a different situation. And so you just kind of, my, my kids used to point out, oh, look at that. Or look at, they were they, we had a friend that lived in our building and they would be, Oh, the lady in the wheelchair. And that was always how they'd find her. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of like, it's, it's normalizing all these things. It's, it's making so that they know that this is just, you know, this is normal. And it, it goes for so many things from, you know, physical disabilities or to skin color, especially with, you know, all the things happening with black lives matter and all of that right now. I mean, we, we had to really have a talk about that and just make sure that, you know, they, they knew it's people. I mean, with us, it got a lot deeper and that, you know, we, we got like, when it came to skin color, we got into socioeconomic status and, and, you know, how people would be picked on or people would be treated badly just because of their skin. And so our kids really rebelled against that idea because they were like, no, everybody should be treated equally which I think is, is true, but there's so many things that uh, they see and you really have to just sort of normalize it and make sure that they know a, especially in their own case with, with their bodies, they know right and wrong and know what the things are and know that, like you said, they are the only ones that have the power over them. They have the power over mm-hmm. their own bodies and that's it. And then, yeah, the making sure sort of normalizing everything else and so that they know not not to like, not to not comment, but just that it's so normalized that they don't feel the need to comment anymore. And and that's sort of the approach that I've taken. Like yeah. uh, um, the more recent one, where again, women wearing the translucent uh, tights. It's yes, that is. Um, you have one. I have one. Mommy has one. She's like, yes. I'm like, exactly. Everyone has one. Like I, it would sort of acknowledge, try to normalize move on. And again, for baby force, it caught her eye. Yep. And I'm not going to deny that it's not something you often see because we could have probably, she probably saw a hundred people over the course of that day. And that was just the one thing that seemed to stand out amongst others. But in the next instance, she might point out, Oh, look at that person has a pink shirt on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And that's why I want, you know, the, the normalcy of what, the, what she's seen to be akin to someone wearing a, a pink shirt. Uh, right now, her thing is if she sees anything unicorn or anything Peppa Pig, <laughs> like if you, if you were to walk by with something that looked like a unicorn horn, um, got to stop and turn around, U-turn middle of the street. Otherwise it's like a total meltdown in the, in the car. It's not sure where the unicorn phase came from. 
See, my kids are a little bit past that phase. They're in a right now. They're in an EV car phase. Ooh. So uh, they see a Tesla. They point out the Tesla, and that's that's what it goes at. Hmm. I I'm I'm pointing out Teslas too myself. I I totally need to get myself a Tesla. I've I've decided that uh, that's my uh, my target car. But uh, no, uh, or sorry, baby force not into uh, Tesla's at this moment in time. Yeah, I'm sure she'll get there. <laughs> um, going back to our our earlier uh, sort of conversation. So you would use the terms right from the get-go. Me, however, my wife and I had have not. Um, any suggestions as to how we would then sort of transition into that? Is that just something sort of switch over cold turkey as if, nothing has sort of occurred. Like we're not looking to have a, like a, a full on conversation or anything of the sort. It's just a matter of being recognizing that she's reached that point of time that she is noticing things. And then she is correlating her knowledge. Like again, what did, what have we been calling a bottom bum bum? That's yeah. the term we use. And she's tied that to the entire package. Right. So that's sort of where you, take it from there and sort of you okay start using real words i mean i don't know exactly because we didn't use we didn't use pp or any of the generally you know widely used words that people use slang terms for kids we went from the very beginning it was you know penis vulva all of these things and mm-hmm. so it became a very normal thing in our house i've also personally done uh, been a facilitator for sex education courses for for kids and for teenagers. So personally, I'm very used to saying those words now and they don't make me, you know, a lot of people have the problem where if you say the real words, they giggle or they get shy because mm-hmm. that's how we were raised. We were raised with those words. We were raised with, you know, yeah. that's your, that's your pee pee. That's your bum bum. That's your whatever. And so, yeah, it's sort of, it's an interesting challenge where you're suddenly now in the position where you don't want to do that. And we're certain we're of a more, Hopefully, we're of a more educated generation where we know that you know we should be, we should be making sure that they know those words and they have full, mm-hmm. full confidence and control and understanding of their bodies. So, so yeah, I mean, for me, I would just start transitioning off of them, and you know, if you can, start saying, start saying the real words, or start saying, or or use both, use an amalgam, and sort of say, well, we said bum bum before, but you know, to be more. To be more exact, this is this, and this is this. And again, all age-appropriate, although, you know, they're body terms, so body terms are pretty age-appropriate as it goes anyways. Yeah. At least, you know, that's my belief. I know some people might not believe that. But um, so, yeah, that's that's where I would go and sort of transition off. And you can do it slowly, just say bum-bum for a while, and, but then start peppering in the real words. And once mm-hmm. she has an, once she has an idea for that, then just retire bum-bum and move on. And it's interesting because, I mean, it, like I say, we didn't have experience with that. But there's certain things where there's just like certain phases in childhood where there's your kid does a certain thing. And it's really adorable for a while. And then you know at one point it's going to end and she's not going to do it anymore and you're going to miss it a little bit. And that'll probably be one of those things. I mean, I know my daughter said words a certain way. I can't remember off the top of my head which one it was, but she used to say something and she said it backwards. But it was very, you know, we let her do it because it's very adorable to do it. And then, you know, she, she doesn't do that anymore. And that's kind of, I miss those things. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it's basically just, yeah, transition slowly, try to use the real words and see how that goes. And again, you'll get a few questions, but just answer them directly. 
Yeah. And then you, the, the point you mentioned there, sort of the, the world that we had been raised in ourselves, like I can't remember when I understood the appropriate terms. It would have likely been through some form of program at school that would have connected the dots. And it's just that in sort of my, or our era, um, I know, you know, having grown up in the, in the city of Richmond, um, the, while sex education existed, it was not really something that, that, that touched on much of anything. In fact, a letter went home to my parents to tell them, like, if you'd like your child to be involved and see Sue Johansson as a guest speaker. So if you don't know who Sue Johansson is, um, she actually had a television show and I'll share a, a, a story that everyone can chuckle at a little bit later. Uh, but it was called the Sunday night sex show. They had her come and she was like, as matter of fact, um, age appropriate, but as a matter of fact, uh, but it was optional. Like there, it was, it was a letter that came home that said, you have to opt into this and send your child like at six o'clock or seven o'clock at night for like a special assembly, um, where he is now in the more modern era. It's much more, uh, ingrained within educational system. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately maybe not as ingrained everywhere it should be, but yeah, it's an interesting thing. I mean, I have actually done interviews with parents and ask them about their own education growing up. And most, honestly, most parents of our age and of our generation, and even a little bit younger, give that exact answer where they didn't get much of an education and you got a little bit in school where the girls would be in one class and the boys would be in another class. And mm -hmm. there was giggling and all sorts of that, but there wasn't any, and usually got like a gym teacher that didn't actually want to do the job, but got stuck with the job and he would be the guy doing the education for you. So, I mean, it's, I, it's better these days, but it's not, it's not necessarily a lot better. So it's, it does. And you know, a parent is always going to be your child's prime primary educator anyways. So, so yeah, it's just being there and answering those questions and, and trying not to get embarrassed and trying to break away from sort of the standards that we were raised under because yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, going back to our roots, I remember growing up, I think I probably learned most listening to the radio and I remember, you know, we, you and I met through sports, so I would listen to Dan Russell's sports talk. And then mm -hmm. after that was Rona Raskin. Rona Raskin. So, I sex mean, lies and audio exactly. tape. Exactly. So I probably learned a lot of my sex education from Rona Raskin listening quietly on the radio at 11 o'clock at night or whatever it was back in the day. Yeah. No, I, in fact, going through high school, yeah, it ha I there would be nights where, and I think she had come over to, uh, it would have been Z95 sort of in the, the late eighties, nineties, they had her on like at 10 o'clock or whatever at night. And so, so there would be times when I'd have like my Walkman on and I would fall asleep to the sweet dulcet tones of Romarasca. But that was only because I couldn't listen to the Canucks every, every single night. Um, but yeah, I, again, it's, it's, it's definitely, um, I'm not going to say tough. It's different because what I grew up with and, is is not the same way I'd like my daughter to grow up with. I want her to be body positive. I want her to to understand uh, that uh, at the end of the day we're all the same, and and that we just come in different shapes, sizes. That's that's nature, right? You know, 
And so, so ultimately, I think that's the thing right there. I mean, just being a parent and wanting that for your child, that's what, I mean, that's the main part right there. Yes, you can do the other things I said and use, use normal t- terms and, but just having that desire because, you know, a lot of, from our generation and generations before, that wasn't the desire usually. It was sort of, you know, I'm not going to tell them about it and they'll find it out for themselves. I mean, for us, that's, I, I mean, my daughter's, my daughter's five. It's not something I have to worry about right now. But, you know, when time comes in another 10, 12, 15 years, whenever she chooses, I want her to have a happy, pleasurable life. And, you know, I don't want to mm-hmm. shame that and I don't want to hide that. And for my son as well. And to teach them both the proper, you know, respect for their bodies, respect for each other's bodies, respect for other people's bodies and all of these things. It's very, it's very important. And we see far too much in society now that's linked back to these problems, you know, that again, it seems really basic, but we, we understand why it's, why it's there. So before we uh, take a quick break, get a little bit nerdy, I did say I was some backstory to Sue Johansson's Sunday Night Sex Show. Um, my paternal grandfather uh, was the first of my my four grandparents to to pass away, and his his passing was um, sudden. Um, he had had essentially had some heart issues, uh, and um, eventually the heart issues contributed to other issues, and and he passed, but as sort of a family, we would have never thought he would have been the first to go. My paternal grandmother, she had had a number of health issues and, um, and it just, obviously there's no, nothing happens in life. That's ever any, especially in that type of sense. So that left her on her own and she had a, a really rough go after he had passed. Cause she, she grew up in an era where she was there to serve him. And so then once, my grandfather was gone. She, it's almost as if she had lost her purpose. And because of that, um, we tried to ensure, um, being that, uh, you know, we were here local, that we were there, uh, not to, for her to serve on as much as she'd try. Like, I kid you not, we'd be like, oh, you're coming over for dinner on Sunday. I'm going to cook up like everything. No, grandma, we're going to help. We're going to do this. Um, but again, different era. Where am I going with this? Well, one Sunday, um, my, my wife and I, she was my, my new girlfriend at the time. Uh, we went to have dinner with my grandma and I want to say it was not the first that, you know, uh, my wife had met her, but, uh, cause she did meet my, my grandfather before he passed. Uh, but, uh, it was timeline wise soon after. Well, the problem was that uh, we couldn't, because of my work schedule, we couldn't get there until a little bit later. And she wasn't, my grandmother's like just wanting to visit, obviously. And so we weren't going to go and cancel. So we went for a later dinner. Um, I don't even know what we had had. I do recall in that situation, it was sort of the, the standard argument over my grandmother insisting that she do everything, us trying to insist that we we do it together. I want to say my grandmother won, but it was more like a 60-40 split. But again, neither here nor there. After dinner is done and we've done the dishes, we're sitting down, we're going to have a visit. My grandmother looks at her watch and notices it's 8 p.m. Oh my goodness, my show's on. Now, 8 p.m. on a Sunday night. I didn't realize that uh, there are shows on that my grandmother would look to to watch that might uh, make a situation become extremely 
interesting and or awkward, such as flipping it on to, I think it was PBS or something like that, or Sue Johansson and a like a previous episode of the Sunday Night Sex Show was on. I do not know why my grandma liked that show. I'm not here to question that. All the power to her. But as I imagine most people can appreciate as a grandson to a grandmother, there's some definitive emotion and uh, reaction that's involved that I chose to internalize. And then the process kicks in that my new girlfriend is here seeing my grandmother watch the show. How must this be for her? And oh, like, it's like the awkward triangle. And so my, uh, my wife and I not wanting to be rude, sort of still tried to carry on the conversation and what have you. And it was more noise, like background noise that was on, but never again did I ever go for a Sunday dinner on my own with my girl. We went to many Sunday dinners, but we never, we weren't, didn't stay too late. We always left <laughs> early. And it was, I mean, I, I don't wish to, to make it sound like I was horrible and I passed up on opportunity. I, I am, I am somewhat guilty that we would, we transitioned dinner to be a much earlier Sunday dinner, but it was with purpose um, because I was scared. Yeah, well, I'm not going to continue the conversation. I, I understand completely. Um, I, you know, you could say this is just stories of how people and their sexuality continues all throughout their lives. Mm-hmm. But again, it's, we're talking about your grandma, so let's let's probably move on at this point. Yeah, time to get to <laughs> get off of this topic and get you know, nerdy. Something a whole lot different. Quick nerd update. I got a copy of Ring Fit Adventure just this past week. I have yet to actually unbox it. It showed up. Um, I ordered it through Amazon. It said, this is the thing about Amazon. It's in stock. We'll ship in October. Like, okay, well, I know I'd like to get it. You talked it up. I've heard others uh, talk it up. It's a tough product to, to, to reserve and, and acquire. So I'm like, I'll consider it a pre-order. And then it showed up on like, a was it Wednesday or Monday, I can't remember what day it was. It just showed up at my door. It's like, oh, cool. Not October, August. That's awesome. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm planning on on, uh, on eventually setting it up. I think this weekend was was the goal, and then hopefully I can secure some television time in a way that doesn't interfere with with play time. Because where our, our television is is also the play area, like our, uh, Baby Forces toys and everything that she owns shows up in the, the living room. There's, and it's, it's sometimes difficult to, to move without stepping on Duplo or tripping over a, uh, Paw Patrol figurine or something like that. But anywho, I do a ring fit adventure now. Nice. I was thinking you could probably like, I think they have those contraptions where you could just sort of fit it, the switch right in front of your face, just like wear it like oh, glasses, like, like VR type style. Yeah, so you can do that and put it right in front of your face and then you can, but I think in that case in particular, it would be really dangerous to do it. Cause if you're like pushing on the ring and doing all these things, mm-hmm. you probably don't want to switch attached to your face. So, so yeah, um, that's awesome. And yeah, we we'll have to do an update next, next episode in three or four years yeah. where we'll, uh, we'll do some ring fit adventure updates. Cause yeah, I should probably get back into it too. The uh, other quick update, and this is actually something that just occurred to me. I got an email from Sony saying that as a valued longtime customer, enter in my gamer tag so I can secure a 
pre-order of a PlayStation 5 because they will be built in limited quantity. Now, I don't deny that the limited quantity will be a thing. Like, I truly believe that will be the case. There's this pandemic that's going on that has, you know, changed manufacturing process, um, had likely impeded the process altogether for a period of time. It's just, I'm curious how entering in my PlayStation ID uh, secures me a pre-order. Like it's not through a, a, an actual vendor. It's Sony. Hey, I'd like one. So yeah, it was interesting directly from Sony. I know I, I didn't get the email or maybe it went to my spam. I don't know. I think our gamer tags are fairly close and like, you know, trophies and all that stuff. So I don't know exactly why you'd get one. And I didn't, but um, I saw that today. I saw there were stories about that. So I went to the website and I, I entered my my gamer tag as well just to make sure that I get whatever offer they're going to do if they so happen to choose me. And mm-hmm. if they don't, you know, I'll get one from Best Buy or Amazon or somewhere else. But hey, if I can buy directly from Sony, whatever. I don't really care where it comes from. Well, but that's the thing. It's like I don't recall Sony ever direct sales. No, that's selling. the thing, right? Yeah. Like I, 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 you know, it used to be there were Sony stores. Like they did have brick and mortar but I haven't seen a Sony store in a long time. Yeah, it's true. Like I had actually on this subject, although not on this subject, um, kids and joy cons, since we were talking about switch as well, Mm -hmm. uh, two of my joy cons suddenly stopped working and I couldn't really figure out why. So I went to the Nintendo website and sure enough, I mean, you can print out an address tag and you just attach it to an envelope and you take it to, uh, it was, I don't even know where, which post office it was Western union for all I know, but mm-hmm. uh, you take it there, put it in the envelope and send it to them. And so they took my two joy cons and apparently if they decided that the, that the damage was done by myself, then they would charge me for it, but they didn't, they just fixed them and sent them back to me and it was no cost at all. So, uh, I have to say, like, I really, I really appreciate the Nintendo, uh, Nintendo customer service there. Cause yeah, my new, my joy cons are like new and mm-hmm. I wasn't even, I, I was, wasn't even sure they didn't just give me new ones in the first place, but I think well, there's some old ask, ones. Yeah. It's hard to say. Yeah. So yeah. The, um, were they sent to somewhere here in, uh, in Canada? Yeah. Like, I guess the Nintendo Canada office is actually in Richmond. I'm surprised. Yeah. Well, that's that. what, that's yeah. what I was going to, no, I was going to ask. Cause like I, um, in a moment, we're going to talk about uh, uh, my nerdy topic, the actual one I wanted to talk about with this episode. But uh, back in the day, I used to write letters to Nintendo of Canada um, for a variety of different reasons. And it was an address here in Richmond. So the turnaround time was really quick. And every single time I wrote a letter, I got a letter back. And if they had form letters, which is very possible, um, I still would not fault the fact that they sent a letter back form letter. You know, I don't think they were form letters. I genuinely think someone had, you know, someone in a customer service department had actually typed up the response and then I sent it my way. Um, I think I got a couple like free copies of the old Nintendo power magazine. Sweet. Um, sometimes like they, it, Nintendo customer service for the most part. I, and I, I've only interacted with them handful of times most of which was when I was, you know, in my, my sort of teenagers, early teens, um, was good. And I always loved the fact that their yeah, head office, I used to drive by it. I don't know if it's still in 
the same place, but you'd see Nintendo. Yeah, I think Canada. it is. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, uh, the topic I want to talk about was a Netflix uh, limited series, it was six episodes long, uh, for a, a program called High Score. And uh, what uh, the uh, the series, if you have not heard about it, uh, is doing is essentially retelling the history of video games. Now, you might ask, in six episodes? What is it, like two-hour episodes? No, they're roughly 30 to 45 minutes, I want to say, give or take. Maybe there's some a little bit longer. Um but really what it does, is it hits on some of the sort of the key notes over time. As far as sort of the nostalgia effect, I really enjoyed the series. I really did. I watched the last episode uh, yesterday and I thought it was sort of well put together. The difficulty is that one left me longing for more. And then two, some of the topics that were introduced in a number of these different episodes had me wanting one, to learn more about them, whether it be uh, the developer uh, themselves, whether it be the person who sort of started about what they've they done, um, but then other sort of themes that extended. So I'll give an example. And actually, I should note, I don't want to spoil this for you because you had mentioned you're watching a little I've bit. I've watched the first three episodes now. So, yeah. three. Ep- what was in the third episode? If So we just the- did RPGs, and the next one's going to be Nintendo versus Sega. Okay, so then if me talking about Ultima, it won't... uh, No, not at all, yeah. Okay, so one of the things that, and I'll use this episode as an example, is that it talks about RPGs, and it talked about... uh, At first, I described it as the Sierra episode when I was talking to... When I first started watching it, but it wasn't really... I wouldn't say it was the Sierra episode. It was the Ultima episode. Um, It... And I kind of, kind of left me wanting one more. I wanted more about Sierra, like Sierra in my mind, not, and that's not discounting Ultima, Ultima. And see, that's the interesting thing for me too. That's what I found in that episode. They were going to RPGs and they, they launched into Sierra in the beginning and, but it was very brief. And as I mentioned previously, I'm actually reading a book currently on Sierra and we did camping (laughs) recently. So I didn't have a lot of reading time. So I've gotten pretty far into the book and it's a really interesting story. And so I thought, oh, cool, this is going to be an hour on Sierra. And it wasn't. And that left me, I was like, wow, they mm-hmm. could have made it, you know, they could have really, and I'm only three episodes in, but I see that where they could make it a 12-episode extended series where they do, do a little more time on everything because there's a lot of subjects so far that it's like, okay, yeah, that's that's really glossed over or not mm-hmm. enough. You need, it's also, though, like I found my son, it's been a great um, education for him because I sort of, you know, back Back originally, when he was smaller, I thought to myself, you know, I'm going to start him up on an NES, and then he can have the Super NES, and he can play the original Zelda, and then he can play, you know, Super Mario World, and he can go all these things in progression. And that didn't actually happen, because, you know, those games are actually really hard, and we were trained on them, but he's not. So I we ended up just skipping forward and coming to the modern age, and so now he's just started playing Breath of the Wild, actually. But, um, yeah, it's a great, like, history of video games. This is what it was like when Data was a kid. And so, in that aspect, it's been really great. But totally, I agree with your point. Yeah, and I was, like, in in that episode, you know, I wanted more Sierra. And this is not, like, I really enjoyed learning more about Ultima because it wasn't a game that I ever really ever really played. It was a game I I understood existed within the the, – genre and, and defined RPG. It was, I don't feel it was the one that 
kicked it off. I don't feel it was the one that was most integral to an RPG genre, but Ultima and what we've seen derivatives of have really driven it. But how do you go and talk about RPGs, but then don't get into the MMO? And that was what I found really interesting. And I think you'll, you'll, you probably haven't reached that point yet, but again, it's not a spoiler alert. They do talk a little bit about the evolution of online play. Yeah. Um, and uh, the dial up of a modem. Well, the fact that we now have access to something like an MMO, it, it shows glimpses of it in some of the graphics that we've seen, but it never actually talks about how, um, I mean, the, probably one of the more, most successful MMO is World of Warcraft. I'm not going to spoil anything. There isn't any World of Warcraft that's discussed. You get to see glimpses of it, but there's no discussion of it. But World of Warcraft didn't suddenly define the MMO space. There were predecessors. And that's the thing that I felt missing. That almost needs like an episode seven. And then you're going to get into the Nintendo versus Sega. Uh, it doesn't talk about anything more than Nintendo and Sega. I mean, there was the Atari. Um, Turbo graphics well. and all these other things, yeah. Yeah, like they're, they they all contributed uh, in, in different ways. And that's the thing that I, I feel with the series was, was a miss. Now, it could be that they're going to expand because it's right now limited. But it, it just left me longing for more. Yeah, so it's interesting. I, I haven't looked at the production companies or anything, but I mean, we had previously watched some of the Netflix series, The Toys That Made Us, which hits that same kind of um, nostalgia thing where you see He-Man and Ninja Turtles and, you know, the toys of the 80s. Mm-hmm. And there's also like the movies that made us. So we were like, sure, we weren't quite sure why they didn't just call this the games that made us, but it's probably different production studios, probably whatever. So, but I totally get that. And I think going forward, yeah, maybe there'll be a season two, maybe there'll be season three, maybe they'll just uh, extend it because certainly there is much more that can be talked about in six six uh, episodes. And honestly, I mean, if that's what they were given, if you say, okay, here's six episodes, do what you can, and we'll see if it works or not, then uh, hopefully it can be drawn out more. Well, and that's the thing. Like I, again, for anyone who's listening to us at this point, I hope that you don't go and give it a try. The six episodes that are created, I enjoyed each one. The problem is it's like, hey, here's an entire industry that existed close to 50 years, I want to say now. Right? Like it would have been the late 60s. Yeah. Yeah. So just over 50 in that case. And it's a six episode run. Like that part just doesn't add, like, because there's just so much about it. Like, and I, again, Nintendo versus Sega. All you have to do is go back a few episodes in the Nerdy Dad cast, and we were already talking <laughs> about Sony and Microsoft, right? So that even that type of concept is, has evolved. Like I, I, it's hard for me to go and look at this as being the history of the video game. So it was like, oh, we're just going to lay the foundation, and you can go from there and springboard. But then, okay, we've left some holes. Uh, you didn't really touch on how, you know, different the genres did evolve and, you know, uh, you'll get to an episode uh, that talks about id software and it interests this topic of shareware. Shareware drove a variety of early, sort of early nineties, late nineties games. I imagine at some point in time, I mean, John, I mentioned you probably had some shareware access Indeed. to shareware. Yep. Right? I did. I mean, and you think about how shareware as a, 
as an industry evolve to where we currently have, um, you know, sort of pay and play access to mobile apps, right? You get in and then you're, you're either gated by time or experience to almost motivate you to drop a, maybe a buck because it's just a dollar. It's not that much, but it's the microtransaction. Like, again, there's like all these different topics. They don't, they don't get touched on. And I just, yeah, I'm getting wound up over what was I, what is the six series show that I really enjoyed? Yeah. But having, and that's the thing, having said that, I mean, I found some of the interviews and some of the things they did were really open or really like eye opening. And, you know, stories that you hadn't heard. And there are there are things on there other than, like, the, the major stories that we live through and we sort of understand. Mm-hmm. There were other things in there that I found really interesting. And I'm only three episodes in, just stories that they didn't necessarily have to add in. They could have done the subject without. But it was really open and inclusive. And that was, uh, that was quite interesting. And so, yeah, we've really enjoyed it so far. Like I say, I hope they make more of them and flesh it out a little mm-hmm. bit. And I think, you know, it, but it does. It really... It's another one of those shows that really hits the nostalgia factor for you or I, and you hear that uh, you hear that eight bit music going, and suddenly you're like, "Yeah!" Or oh god, eight, you know, the eight bit music! Like boom. Yeah, I uh, uh, the wife and I just uh, this past weekend we we're driving, and I don't even know what uh, uh, triggered it, but I'm like, you know, if we ever if we do get a bigger place, and I get sort of a, like an office or a room that I could call my own. Like right now uh, I have access, like we have a den and it's essentially my office, but it also has a Murphy bed that needs to fold down if, and when we're allowed to have guests. So again, um, it's not sort of my space. Like I can't really go and do stuff in here, but I want, I want to, I'm going to buy a, an arcade box or two. Mm-hmm. Like I, then I, I was actually Googling like, Oh, if I were to go and like secure some, could this be something that I could go and fix up? Like, you know, I don't mind making it like a little project where, I, you know, swap out the the screen for something more, more modern architecture. I'm not looking for like the, you know, million dollar bounty that I'm going to sell on a Christie's auction years from now. I'm sort of thinking like, I would love to have sort of that feel to that coin op arcade playing some of the retro titles that I sort of grew up playing. Yeah. And uh, that's another good uh, education. I mean, we have one actually fairly local in, in New West. It's called the Royal mm-hmm. City Arcade, I believe. And, and they have uh, recently reopened. And they have recently okay. reopened. And I actually yeah. had my son's birthday party booked there before the uh, apocalypse. And we mm-hmm. had to cancel because everything changed. But uh, we went there for a birthday party and it was just, it was great just seeing all those old machines. And it doesn't have the 80s arcade thing because there's not cigarette smoke. And, you know, I remember going to arcades when I was a kid and they were dirty, nasty places a lot of the time. There were a couple of them. And yeah, cigarette smoke and all sorts of things. And the machines were all burnt and all of this. <laughs> but mm-hmm. we loved it because there were so many games. So this place, you know, very clean, very. Very nice. And I have all those old games. And, you know, that's your question about do people restore them? Yeah, there's a whole society of people that restore them. And mm-hmm. they have like, I think they have 50 machines in their arcade and they have another 50 in their in a warehouse somewhere and something like that. It's it's one of those stories where they sort of build up. So for yeah. me, if I, if I had my own space and if we made it a little bigger, then yeah, I'd want probably a pinball machine. And, you know, there's these cabinets out now that you can buy that have like 200 or 2000 games in them or something. That's probably the way to go, but who knows? Well, and that's the thing. Like if I were to go and buy one and fix something up, I'd probably, I'd probably swap over to something that could handle more than one title. But again, I'm not suggesting it's case. Like I would not go and, 
and cannibalize a, a functional cabinet no. uh, simply for the sake of putting in, you know, 200 Neo Geo titles or, or whatever it yeah. might be. Um, on that note, there is an actual episode within High Score that talks about how looking to modify an arcade box uh, helped essentially revolutionize video games as we know it. <laughs> that was a good At one, too. How, yeah. how you and I know, knew it back then, maybe not the kids today and some of our listeners it's quite possible they've grown up in a world where there's been more than eight bits in a in a console wow i think we made a solid episode out of this yeah that's not bad at all you know we'll get together again in a year and we'll record another and we can check in to see you know how many playstations we were able to acquire directly from sony right yeah when we both get our codes and our offers of free playstations because we talked about them on the nerdy dad cast you know it's gonna happen they're just gonna say hey take them they're free for you guys yeah. just just us just us no one else no special nerdy dad cast uh, branded uh, PlayStations. <laughs> that'd be awesome yeah with the ndc laser side of it yeah yeah sweet um yeah, I think, uh, and again, I'm not going to make any promises anymore because I think I've noticed when we promise to do something, that's when life gets in the way. I think life is currently trying to ensure that curveballs are are tossed to us when we're up to bat. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, in the early days of COVID, we were kind of shut in. And, I mean, I've said before, you know, my family stayed inside in our apartment for 52 mm-hmm. days straight. So, in those times, it was very easy to record because you weren't going anywhere. There was nothing else to do. And it's just like getting that outward voice was great but uh, now it's the whole thing where we're trying to get out and still stay away from people but we're trying to get out and be out in nature and around as much as possible and yeah it's also just the whole fact that so many people are so burnt out on screen time and Mm -hmm. talking and video sharing and all of the things that we in the first little bit of the pandemic we thought were great but now we're all burnt out on them so so yeah getting in front of a computer screen isn't always the easiest thing to do yeah, and you know, I we've been out and about walking out. In fact, today I was sort of here, like you know, I'd like to take a book and find a patio and some shade and just go and read a book outside somewhere. Um, the difficulty is that in execution, I wasn't the only one that was looking for a patio or somewhere to sit that was in shade um, because I think every other person in the city of Richmond was, including maybe others who aren't residents of Richmond, but maybe some of the near. Uh, near municipalities. So that did not come to to fruition, but I can't remember in recent years, that thought coming through my mind, Hey, why don't I grab a book and go somewhere to read it? Yeah. And that's a good point. I mean, that's the whole thing about nature right now. It's just so full of people. Nature (laughs) has so many people in it. (laughs) Why can't these people stay (laughs) home? Because they're all saying the same thing you exactly. and I are saying yeah. right about now. So any uh, uh, final words of wisdom there? Uh, for all uh, just to people? hit on that note, if anyone knows of any people-less nature, please let us know. Send us a send us a note to the Nerdy Dadcast. Uh, yeah. I want to check out any people-less nature as much as possible. And uh, and yeah, and let's go back to earlier things in the episode. Use the real names for things. Kids can take it. And it's safe. I don't, I don't know if daddy can take it. <laughs> yeah, kids can take it. I didn't say daddy can take I it. No, no. I mean, yeah, it's, it, there's, there are things that, that don't phase her uh, that, like, I'm. Suddenly you're blushing. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, and to think, I got through that entire story of dinner with my grandmother on a Sunday night, I think, without uh, uh, going full crimson. Uh, as as for me, uh, no, I just, uh, you know, keep tuning in, keep staying safe, keep remaining calm. You know, I hope everyone is doing well as well can be, all things considered. But, uh, yeah, we'll be back in a time. Yeah, between Ish. two weeks and three years or a decade or something. We don't really know. Time is funny. Yeah. Yeah. We may have two podcasts, the nerdy dad cast, the nerdy granddad cast. In fact, maybe our kids will be old enough to have the, the nerdy kid cast. Yeah. Could be. I don't know. That name doesn't really work. No, but uh, if you are looking for us online, you'd like to, to continue to follow tune in nerdy or finding us on all the social media platforms at nerdy Dadcast. It's the easiest way to go. If you want to drop us an email, it's feedback at nerdydadcast.com. And I would hope if you could, if you haven't done so already, is to click subscribe uh, in your favorite podcast application. We are everywhere. Uh, in fact, if you can find one that we're not in, let us know, and I will guarantee we'll be there shortly. Uh, so long as they'll have us. There are apparently some podcast apps out there now that require podcasts to pay them, which, considering our budget, zero. I think we recently we were like seven, number 17 on nature podcasts in Germany. So that's pretty good. You know, we random around the world podcast numbers are pretty interesting. Well, it's all the, again, you find us the people, this nature, we in turn talk about it. And it's a big thing in Germany when German tourists may resume their trips to the lower mainland to check out know. nature. I don't know. I don't know how it connects. <laughs> But on behalf of John, myself, Chris, I'm going to sign off this episode by asking you to do something very, very simple, and that is to stay nerdy, my friends. <laughs>